bringing that. That was sarcasm, folks. James chapter number one this afternoon. James chapter number one. Thank you, Brother Paul, for the invitation to preach. Thank you all for your love and generosity. This church is a friend to us. We appreciate your love, kindness that you've always shown to us. Bring to you greetings from the good folks at Memorial Heights Baptist Church. It is our privilege to pastor in Perry, Georgia. Have several of our folks with us today. I appreciate them coming over and being a part of this conference. Good to see this building full. Good to see this. I've been assigned the subject of power of sin. James chapter number 1. We begin reading with verse number 12. James 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. The question that is often asked of us as Christians is this. If there is a God, why then is there so much suffering and injustice in this world? And we can answer that question fairly quickly by simply saying it is because of sin. This is why there is so much suffering and injustice in this world. God created men in a state of uprightness. God created man. He put Adam and Eve in a utopian society, everything perfect at hand, but they sinned. They failed. They broke the one single command that the Holy Father had given to them and so doing plunged all of humanity into total depravity. Adam knowingly broke God's law, thereby plunging all of us into the deplorable condition that we are in even at this hour. Sin was introduced into this world, and sin has brought nothing but curse upon curse to this world. Sin has yielded plague and famine. Sin has generated pestilence and drought. Sin causes the earth to quake and for mountains to erupt and for rivers to swell and flood. Sin has caused the animal kingdom to be constantly at war. Every living thing is compelled to either kill or be killed or hunt or be hunted. Sin triggered the fragrant flower garden to relentlessly battle with the weeds for dominion. Sin filled the mouth of the serpent with poison. Sin has forced the thorn to grow on the rose stem. Sin has caused a multitude of angelic beings to be thrust or driven out of heaven. Sin has turned this earth into a vast and discontent graveyard. 
Sin is the root cause of every broken heart and every broken home. Sin will empty us. There is great power in sin, and we need to realize this. Every sorrow, every sadness, every sickness, every ounce of suffering in this world is all a result of sin. Sin has obscured, sought to obscure the line between right and wrong. Sin has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Sin has hardened the hearts of those that are lost. Sin has sought to destroy truth and promote error. Sin was the motivation behind the very first murder. Sin has boldly spurned on every sexual deviancy. Sin coldly causes the drunken husband to abuse his wife. Sin is the shameless source of every drug-addicted young lady selling herself for that next fix. Sin has coursed its way through the entirety of creation and has left behind misery and suffering in its wake. Sin has brought disease, divorce, disorder, disunity, and ultimately it will bring death to everyone. Churches quarrel and fight. Church members divide and devour one another as a result of sin. Families are at odds one with another. will not speak to one another because of sin. May I remind you, God's Word says that only by pride come a contention. Nations war and countless lives have been lost on the battlefield because of sin. An ocean of blood has been shed all because of the selfish desires of wicked men. Plants die. Animals die. People die all as a consequence of sin. And if our Lord tarries, this is true for everyone in the building this afternoon. If our Lord tarries, one day, Friends and family will gather around your lifeless body and hopefully say some nice things about you and mourn, but you will be there dead because of sin. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. John Bunyan the imprisoned author of Pilgrim's Progress, rightly said, one leak will sink a ship and one sin will destroy a sinner. We who are in Christ will one day be freed from the presence of sin. And we must constantly praise our God for the deliverance from the penalty of sin. Yet we must also admit and be fully honest that we have not been totally freed from the power of sin. Notice with me, if you would, from the text that we have read together here this afternoon, some of the, this is just some of the immense power of sin. Look at verse number 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. And notice these words with me. For when... He is tried. 
let us be aware that as long as we live in these bodies, we are always going to be facing sin and temptation. There is an ever-present, constant remembrance of sin in our lives. We must constantly battle against sin. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. In other words, as long as we live here, there's going to be temptation that we face. There's going to be sin just around the corner and when we are tried. Not if we are tried, but when we are tried, we are compelled by Scripture to resist sin and not yield to sin. The very fact that there is temptation demands that there is sin. But let us clarify this even further. Friends, temptation is not sin. Being tempted is not sin. Our Lord Christ was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. However, we must say that unlike Him, we find ourselves yielding to that temptation. We give in. We yield our members. Romans chapter 6 We yield our members as servants of unrighteousness. There we read, and I'll just give you a summation of this. In Romans 6, we're told that we're not to reckon ourselves, I'm sorry, that we are to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive unto God. We are not to let sin reign or rule in our mortal bodies, to obey the lust thereof. We are told that sin should not have the dominion over us, yet we find as we live in this life, that we are constantly facing the temptation to sin. You know how present it is? It's present with you right now. It is present with me right now. Must I not say to you, do you not battle right now to keep yourself stayed on the very Word of God as it is being preached? Has your mind taken you places even this afternoon where you should not go? Have you thought things, said things that you should not? There is an ever-present, constant battle against sin in this life. Verse 13, and I'm just going to run through this real quick. Verse 13 clarifies the source of that temptation. Let's be clear about this. God is not the source of of sin. He is not the source of temptation. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God is not tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. See, the truth about this is the source of our temptation, while it is external from that which is out there, the real source of it is from within. That's the source of it. It's ever-present, but the problem is there's something inside of us that yearns for that. Not only is sin around us, but there is sin within us these carnal desires come from within look with me verse 14 every man is tempted when he is drawn away you see how carefully god writes his word every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust this is where it is here's the problem right inside this old chest of ours that deceitful and depraved heart is the root of our problems every man so 
I want you to see there is a seductive power to sin. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away or lured away. I wish it wasn't true, and so do you if you're saved, but there is within us a yearning towards sin. We are seduced by sin because there is lust within us, an inordinate affection for that which God denies us as He knows what is good for us. We are saints if we are saved, but we are still sinners. We must confess that even though we have a yearning towards holiness, we have an old nature within us that yearns for sin. And even though we know that it is destructive, we find ourselves drawn to it, seduced by the power of sin. In Homer's classic novel, The Odyssey, at a certain point in the story, the these men are about to embark on a long sea voyage. And they are warned of impending doom and danger. The men in this classic story, these men are told about the songs of the sirens. And when these mythical creatures would sing and allure men to them. Their seductive songs drew men, lured men away and their songs promise joy and felicity and happiness. But in truth, their songs would draw men into a place where there were underwater hidden reefs and rocks underneath the water, which would ultimately bring them to shipwreck. So in his story, the captain Odysseus tells, he takes his men and he fills their ears with beeswax so they can't hear the songs of the sirens, and actually has his men tie him to the mast so that he cannot steer the ship towards them. As they make their voyage past the siren scene, and Odysseus begins to yell out, Free me, let me loose, so that we may go to them, that we may yield to the songs of these sirens. But his men cannot hear him for their ears are filled, and so they finally make safe passage beyond this point. But the truth about it, dear friends, is that you and I as Christians often know what the end of the siren song is, yet we give in to it again and again. We know that at the end of this there is shipwreck. We know that it will destroy our lives. We know that the seductive songs of the sirens may promise us joy, but it will only bring death. Yet we find that seducing, that yearning down within us. This is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because only the Holy Spirit can take their seductive song and turn it into an anti-God anthem. Turn it into something that we hate rather than yearn for. That's what the power of the Spirit can do in your life. And that's what AA and other places can't do, but God can do. Change your desire so that their song is no more seductive, but it is offensive to your nature. Repulsive, repugnant. Every redeemed saint struggles with sin. Don't be deceived. If you hear and you think you are above sin, you are wrong. 
The only way that you're going to live above sin in this life is to get you a second-story second story apartment above some other sinner. It'll get you in a minute. We long, do we not, do we not long to be delivered from these bodies of death? Do we not cry out like the great apostle in Romans 7 and say that, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Isn't there a seductive power to sin? Paul, one of the, I believe probably one of the greatest Christians that's ever walked this earth, he could say that which I would not, that I do. And that which I would, that I do not. I want to put that in some middle Georgia vernacular for you. The Apostle Paul said, I'm bad at being good, and I'm good at being bad. And that's the way we all are. That's the power of sin. But then notice with me also, there's a deceptive power to sin. At the close of verse number 14 there, we read these words. Verse 14, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That word enticed literally means to be trapped or ensnared. You see, sin always promises happiness and joy, but it never delivers on its promise. There is a deceptive power to sin. It promises joy, but it brings sorrow. It appeals to the flesh, but it deceives the flesh in that it only brings suffering. Ask Samson if sin will not deceive you. Ask King David if sin will not deceive you. Ask them and see what they will say. Ask Lewis Kiger. If sin will not deceive you, it will. Sin is not to be toyed with. Sin is not to be trifled with. It will deceive you and it will ultimately destroy you. It will ruin you. Now, there's a lot of young people in this room and I want you to hear me. Young people, you do not, do not yield yourselves to sin. Now, I know that's good for us older ones, too, but now listen. Young people today have instant access to things many of us never even knew existed. It will ruin you. It will ruin your marriage. It will ruin your future marriage. It will destroy your testimony. You better guard yourself. You do not toy with sin. You do not trifle with sin. You don't play with sin. You run from it. Be wise like Joseph. Leave your jacket and get out of the house and flee from temptation. There's a reason why the Apostle Paul told Timothy to flee youthful lusts. Young people realize the immense, seductive, deceptive power of sin. It will ruin your life. It'll put you in the hog pen. You'll be down there next to the hogs wallowing in the mud. 
yearning for just one little piece of a corn cob. That's what sin will do to you. I could go pew by pew and ask for preachers to share testimonies of what they have seen in their own ministries of what sin will do, and they could give you story after story of the destructive power of sin. It'll ruin you. Flee from sin. Do not yield yourselves as instruments of sin, but flee from it. Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he knoweth not that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. Proverbs 9, 17 and 18. Oh, it may be sweet to the mouth, but at last it will burn like poison within you. Samson never intended to be bound, broken, and blinded. But such is the possibility of sin. Elimelech never intended to be buried in Moab, nor intended for his sons to be buried beside him, but such is the prospect of sin. David never intended to lie, conspire, and commit murder, but such is the potential of sin. Peter never intended to deny the Lord once, let alone three times. Nor did he intend to curse God and flee away like a coward, but such is the power of sin. It has been well said, and there's a good reason why it has been well said. Sin will take you further than you wanted to go. It will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it will cost you more than you are willing to pay. Don't trifle with sin. Sin will blind you. It will cripple you. It will corrupt you. King David sitting there on the throne the blinding arrogance of his own sin when Nathan comes and points his prophetic finger in his chest and said, you're the man. Sin had so blinded him, he didn't even know who he was. Didn't even realize his own sin. You keep toying around with sin, you won't recognize yourself. You won't even know you'll be nothing but a figment of what you once were. Oh, how serious sin is. How many of you have seen beautiful young ladies and their lives turn to nothing because of sin? Young men with bright and promising futures destroyed because of sin. It is seductive, but it is also destructive. No wonder Paul Lawrence Dunbar wrote, This is the debt I pay. Just for one riotous day, years of regret and grief and sorrow without relief. Slight was the thing I bought. Small was the debt I thought. Poor was the loan at best, but oh God, the interest. Sin will destroy you. It is seductive. It is deceptive. But it's also deadly. Sin will kill you. Look, verse 15. 
Then when lust hath conceived, do you see that birthing language right there in verse 15? You know what I really look at that as? There is lust right there. And in comes the yielding to that lust. And our failure to turn away, our failure to reject, to overcome, when we yield to sin, our yielding mates with that lust that is within us, and it gives birth to sin. When lust hath conceived, you see it right there, it bringeth forth sin. We birth sin by yielding to that lust, that temptation that is out there. The ultimate end of sin is death. The close of verse 15 makes it very clear. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That sounds like something you ought to play with, something you ought to toy with. Sin will kill you. There is a deathly power to sin. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Thus saith God Almighty. The wages of sin is death. My wife, God bless her soul. She, amen. She likes to feed the birds and the squirrels in the backyard. And I noticed just the other day as I was sitting at our kitchen table studying, there was some bread that she had put out there in the backyard, but it was sort of near our back porch, and there was a little bird that had flown down and was there on the grass sort of walking. It would, it would walk up and get real close, and then it would back away. And then it would walk up and get build a little more nerve, and then it would back away again. And as I was actually studying for this message, and I could not help but think that's just exactly what we do with sin and temptation. We flirt with it. We see how close we can get to it. We want to walk on the fence. Brothers and sisters, sin will kill you. You better stay away from it. It may seem like it will fulfill you, but it will kill you. There is a deathly power to sin. The wages of sin is death. And let me preach. Your sin will send you straight to hell. Your sin. Don't worry about everybody else. You've got enough to take care of. Your sin will send you straight to hell. The wages of sin is death, but I'm not through preaching yet. Because the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We do a disservice to those who hear us if we bring the law down, but don't bring grace behind it. If we tell them about the wages of sin and break them, but we do not also offer the balm of Gilead to heal them. God's Word says it like this. Where sin did abound, amen, grace did much more abound. 
There is a life of freedom to be found from the power of sin. In fact, God's Word says He even gives a crown to those that overcome sin. We read that right in verse number 12, the second half of the verse. He, when this man is endures temptation, when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You see, there is a place where sin has no power, where the penalty is gone, where the very presence of it has been removed, but it's only for those that love Him. Only for those. Sin is seductive, it is destructive, it is deceptive, but there is a cure for sin. The power of sin is seen at Calvary. We must preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the virgin birth, the sinless life, the substitutionary death and the glorious resurrection of Jesus as the only hope for sin-sick sinners. He is their only hope, and that's the gospel message. The power of sin was seen at Calvary, but the power of sin was also shattered at Calvary by what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. There is power in sin, but I've got good news. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be washed whiter than snow. Because there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is no sinner so bad that God cannot forgive him. No son so gone that the Father will not receive him. And no sheep so lost that the shepherd cannot retrieve him. There is power in sin, but there's power in the blood. Thank you. And you shut up.